my great joy to introduce to you the three musketeers hailing from the land of remote work. We have Marissa, career coach and queen of all. We have Jeff, our sassy SEO shaman. And we have Diego, who has spent his 20s building a community of remote working lunatics. Sure, these folks are going to be the people that will get you beach commute ready. And they'll do it in the most exciting way possible. So, happy listening. Welcome, everybody, to the Digital Nomad Experts podcast brought to you by Beach Commute. Today, I'm joined by Julio Monzon. We actually just met for dinner the other night. He's also a fellow Wi-Fi triber. And Julio, we actually met the very first week that I became a digital nomad. I don't even know if you know that, but we met in Colombia. I think it was, it might have been like the first day or the, or the second day that I landed here in Medellin as a digital nomad. So you, you may have actually been my introduction to Wi-Fi Tribe and to becoming a digital nomad. I was wondering if you remember that too, actually, but I'm glad you did. Yeah, I do remember that. It was a few years ago and it was, a, it was fun over in Medellin. Yeah, that was, I don't remember, it was BBC or something like that. Either way, here we are. We're back again in Medellin for good reason. What are you doing back here in Medellin? Well, I used, I love the city. I used to come here every beginning of every year for at least three months, but since the pandemic, I haven't been back and I just got back, you know, a few months ago to finally kind of come back here. Yeah. Right. Just, it's a really good place to just kind of like chill out. It's, you don't really, everything's kind of easy. It's not like traveling when I, when I talk about hard travel versus slow travel. And someday we will talk about Bolivia in terms of hard travel, but it's nothing like that where everybody's getting food poisoning guaranteed once every couple weeks. And there's altitude sickness. There's none of that stuff. It's just kind of cruise control. So thanks for joining me today. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Tell me about now a little bit about your background, some of the things that that might stand out for the audience, just so for them to get a sense of who, who you are. Yeah, sure. So I started uh, kind of living this digital nomad life in 2013, so around nine years ago. And that's when I joined the company that I'm still in right now. I run an advertising technology company. We founded the company completely remote, even before remote was a thing. And we've just kept it that way. So some people you know, are stay-at-home moms and things like that, but I very much take advantage of being able to live and work from wherever to to do that. 2013, you were an early, early adopter. This thing didn't even really, I mean, I thought I was an early adopter coming in like 2018, 2019. Mm -hmm. You've been doing this forever. Yeah, yeah. It was, you know, no groups or anything, no Wi-Fi tribes back then. It was very much a, just like my thirst for travel and adventure and, you know, putting myself out there. I've always been kind of extroverted. So I want to, I, it was, it, it was a lot of like hostile sometimes meeting people. There's some like meetups and some different groups that kind of were starting to get going back then. And that I took advantage of anything like that, that I could to meet people. So just for the audience, Julio owns his own company. And I actually just wrote down a question because I've, I've got a, a whole different side path that I, I'm going to go down that I didn't even think of. But first, let me let me just keep on track and let's go back to... 2013, you decided that you wanted to start traveling the world and working. What did that decision-making process look like? Did, was there a period of time before then where you're thinking, oh, I want to do this. I'm not really sure how, or did you just like book a flight and call it good? 
I actually had a roommate, now my business partner, who started the company in 2010 and soon after kind of started doing this. I think he'd been doing it for a couple of just working and traveling. And obviously back, even back then, it was even more unique. I was working in corporate. I was working for a big bank and like in, you know, kind of plateauing in that area. And it was funny. We were, we were at, I remember we were at a club and I was kind of complaining to him about it. And he was like, hey, like I'm, I'm doing pretty well. Do you want to leave your secure corporate high paying job to just bop around the world with me for a bit. And I was like, absolutely I do. <laughs> and so that's how it kind of got started. I, I, I kind of lived and saw him do, didn't really see anything because he was just gone for a few months and then back for a few months. But that's how it kind of got started. I traveled with him for six months and then I kind of went off on my own because I wanted to see the world in my own way. And, but we continue working together and we're still, we're still in where we are now. That's awesome. So where did you start? Where, where was the very first place that you went, if you remember? Actually, it was South America. So I had traveled right after college for like four months, just like a regular backpacker. And then when I first started traveling, we actually went to South America. And it was it, we went to we started in Colombia. That was my first time in Medellin, actually. And then a couple of other cities. Then we went through Central and actually went back to the U.S. and did a road trip from. Texas to the West Coast and all the way back up to Canada, where we're from. Okay. So you you went through this big mental process of, if I'm, if I'm hearing this right, like you wanted to travel the world, you were sick of working at the big bank, and then just, boom, like left and then started a business and then became, did you become a full-time digital nomad or did you still have some sort of residency back home? I became pretty full on pretty quickly. I did spend, we did start to travel. We did sort of spend some months in Vancouver kind of working together, but then we, because, you know, the nature of the business was to kind of work and travel. We just soon after that kind of just picked up and went, which was great because I, it was a good transition from me being in like kind of a more traditional nine to five to like, okay, working in the same city, but not for the nine to five and then traveling and working full time with my business partner who kind of, you know, taught me a couple of the different kind of things as well. Yeah. Okay. So you, you kind of had a, some people do it in different ways. And I, I like to remind my audience of this because some people will just dive right off. And it'll be like, okay, a friend of ours that we just met here that listens to our podcast, his name is Cam. He just up and left. He's like, I'm going to become a digital nomad, got rid of his lease, done. And just kind of bit the bullet, jumped off into the deep end. And then there's people that like me where it happened accidentally. Basically, my office shut down in San Francisco. There's like, we don't want to keep it open anymore for three people. Sorry, work from home. And I was like, fuck yeah, this is great. This is exactly what I wanted. I've been waiting for this phone call for years. And then I was just like, oh, I'm working at a home. Why can't I work from San Diego? And then I'm like, okay, why don't I work from Colombia? And it just kind of evolved into that naturally. Sounds like yours just kind of nice, like smooth landing into this whole process. Yeah, to to kind of add a little bit more context, we, I did give up my lease like right away. We, I, I didn't oh, did. have like a place that I could come back to once we started traveling, but it was smooth in the sense of like, okay, I was no longer corporate, same city. And then I was like, okay, I was traveling, but I was traveling with my business partner. And then from there, I kind of went off on my own and just kept going and kept going and kind of figured it out by myself. 
Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, was it scary giving up your lease like that? Were you just so hungry to travel that you're just like, whatever, I'm going to make it work? Yeah, I was just so excited to kind of, it was a very much of a pivot in my life. And it, it was so exciting to just like be able to work and travel, especially back then when, you know, there wasn't any, there wasn't many blogs about it or anything like that. I, I couldn't find mm-hmm. anything. So, so it was more of a, like an excitement for the unknown at the time. Gotcha. Okay. That makes perfect sense. So now let's transition over to your business because it happened at the same exact time. So you started a remote first business back in 2013, correct? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. How did you have the foresight to do that? Nobody was doing that. Yeah. People still aren't doing that after the pandemic. Yeah. We just kind of realized the motivation has always been to never work in an office. We just, because I'm done with offices, it's, it's stupid. That was the motivation to never work in an office again. We're like, this is the new world. The internet's cool. here. Why wouldn't we do it as long as we're focused, right? Like, you you got to do your thing. And so, uh-huh. yeah, that, that, that was the motivation. It's funny because people, because we're in a very specific industry, advertising tech, and a lot of people, you know, in, in the industry kind of think like, oh, you just liked the industry. No, we just, we just started to think, okay, how can we never work in an office again? Okay. So how do websites make money? Okay. So there's SEO, SEM, affiliate marketing. Oh, ads. Oh, this is how people make money. Great. Let's learn as much as we can about that because it would allow us to do it anywhere in the world. It wasn't the industry itself. It could have been anything else. But yeah, we just happened to pick a good one. Okay. So mission first was just create a company that'll let me work and travel. Yeah. I've never heard that before. That's yeah, awesome. That was mission first. Yeah. We've cleaned it up for uh-huh. professional reasons, but now that, that <laughs> to be honest, that's what the motivation was. So, so now it means a lot more than that because for you back then it was, yeah, sure. It was for your own reasons and you wanted to do that. But now it means a lot for your employees because you can, like you said, you mentioned that single mom that gets to work from home, be with the kids and gets to, you know, have a lot more quality time, not spending on a train, rubbing shoulders with people, you know, in a hot jacket every afternoon. So do you consider that? You Actually, I know you consider that because you told me earlier that you've got, I don't know what the title was, brand ambassador manager or something like that, or, or company culture manager. Yeah, culture um, so ambassador. You, right, right. So you're, you're keeping this mentality or at least the happiness of your employer, employers, employees, sorry, happy. And that's a, like a top consideration for you. Yeah. So a few years into the business, someone, one of our competitors asked us, you know, what's your secret sauce? How are you doing this remotely? Because even back then, like it wasn't, I think this might've been 2015. They're they're like, how are you doing it? We've seen people who try to do this and fail. How do you communicate? Honestly, honestly, we said email, Skype. There wasn't Slack back then. Like we just, we just honestly didn't know how to answer that question. But then we, we didn't think we had like some secret recipe or some secret sauce, but then we fast forward, we kind of thought about it and realized that we do have a secret sauce, which is our company culture. So ever since that point, I've definitely taken it upon myself to make sure that, you know, culture, you know, if you build a product, if you, if you kind of want to build sales, et cetera, you can do that with strategically, you can kind of ramp up relatively quickly. If you have the right strategy culture, you can't tell people how to feel or how to think or how to be. So it takes years to build company culture. And so that's something that from that point on, we really tried to maintain as a company and as a remote company, fast forward to today, we're big enough where we're like, okay, I can't focus on this anymore. Let, let's, 
delegate this and hire like a culture ambassador whose sole job is to like maintain our culture, live our culture, hear from our employees, be advocate for our, our employees to us, you know, the owners mm-hmm. of the company. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. And what kind of feedback are you getting from your employees about this, this type of mentality, this, this employee first mentality they're taking? As an approach. Well, yeah. Well, first of all, like they they really appreciate the fact that during some kind of an impending, could possibly an impending recession here, we've invested in something like this. You know, we've always like put culture first, and you know, with growing pains as a company, you know, as as like executives, you focus on like growth and revenue and different things and marketing and sales and building a great product and things like that. And you kind of what we've realized is like, we can't stop paying attention to company culture. Like it's, it's so important. It's basically the glue where everything comes out of. Mm-hmm. And so what we've gotten is the reason we kind of hired this position is because some people were saying, Hey, we're getting a little bit more, I would call it structured because now we have processes because we have to, because we're bigger now we're like about 270 people now. So we have, there's natural processes in there. Whereas before you could just like ask someone for something and then they get that. Uh-huh. So we wanted the employees, our team really appreciates us that we've hired someone in that position to just take that over, as opposed to just maybe like, you know, doing nothing with their feedback. But yeah, it, ju- it just started a few months ago. We, uh, we just onboarded the person and it's been, it's been amazing. It's been an amazing kind of a feedback loop of, you know, thank you for that. And, and I am playing, for the audience, I am playing stupid. I know who this is. Her name is Amanda Scott. She actually does the intro for Wi-Fi, for, sorry, for Freudian Slip, for Beach Commutes podcast. And she used to be a Wi-Fi driver. So I know exactly who she is. And I've got probably a good sense of what her meetings look like. Probably very cheery, probably very happy place to be, very welcoming. So <laughs> if I... So yeah. like oh, yeah, she's the uh, delivery service to everybody that she talks to. That's for sure. She, <laughs> oh. She's the perfect person for this role. That's, that's awesome. Really glad to hear you're going in that direction. On that note, you've got 270 employees. Are you guys hiring all the time? We are hiring right now. You know, if any developers are listening, we'd be happy to onboard. We're a technology company like any other. So we're onboarding a bunch of technology people, product people, but also we're taking a more sophisticated approach to our marketing organization and our revenue organizations of sales tons of stuff on our website hiring like crazy right now yeah okay well why don't we just shoot that out now and i'll shoot it out in the show notes too what's your url where people could go yeah it's monetizemore.com monetizemore.com okay go there check out their career page tons of listings especially if you're a developer give it a look and i'll send it out again in the show notes cool so we talked about your business, talked about how you got started. Let's talk a little bit more about being a digital nomad. This audience, for, for the most part, there are some digital nomads in it, sure, but a lot of people are just getting started into it. A lot of people came out of the pandemic with this, with a taste of having worked from home, kind of when they want, how they want kind of thing, and thinking, well, why not? Why can't I do that somewhere else? Why can't I do that in a, in a different places across the world? Why not do it in Bali? That kind of thing. So tell me a little bit about like what this being a digital nomad means to you because you've been doing it nine years now. So you're doing it for a good reason. So just to summarize, like, what do you say, that you, what would you say that you get out of this? that keeps you doing it. I mean, you just learn so much about life 
like true life in the in the truest form by traveling and you know not only like kind of like you know i'll spend two weeks at an all-inclusive in mexico that's not what i'm talking about right like you you'll you'll spend like a good month at least or so at an airbnb and really try to dive into the nomad community if it has one in in this foreign city or also try to try to meet some locals and try to kind of do what the locals do truly live somewhere you, you just learn so much about life in general how like the world actually is because there's a lot of noise out there in many different ways and also a lot about yourself what you truly like what you truly don't like i'll give you an example i do not like the cold i'm a i'm a i'm a patriotic canadian but i i, I will never be there in the winter there's no chance so i chase the sun all the time that is like one of the most important things for me is weather right hence why i'm in medellin but you know some people don't care about that some people care more about like different things but you truly find out things about yourself and and because you truly find out things about yourself then you get to connect with people who are like-minded in that way and it's it's, it's extremely refreshing to meet people in who kind of truly know who've experienced who you, in their own way what you've experienced it's not going to be the exact same thing but it's it's in their own way and that's what keeps me going. I, I love to meet people that way. You know, you can get to start relationships that way, things like that. So it's really cool. What do you think it is about vacation travel, which you're basically describing first versus digital nomad travel that makes it so different, that makes your outlook look completely different to you and the way that you meet people and appreciate a place and a culture? Mm-hmm. I would say probably flexibility. An opportunity. So like if you're taking a two week vacation somewhere, not hating on it, like do it, you know, you know, you're going there and you know, you're going to leave in a couple of weeks, say in this example. Right. So, you know, you're relaxing, you're having a time. I'm sure it, it's fine. Right. For sure. If you're digital nomad traveling and you know, a lot of the times you're, you're in a place, you don't know how long you're going to be just because you haven't decided. And that is okay. It is okay to not know how long you're going to stay in a place. And you kind of just, opportunity to meet people opportunity to just get get involved in the local community or like discover as much as you can about you know this this country and the flexibility you're like i like it here i'm gonna stay and there's literally no reason as long as there's a good internet connection etc for me to leave and i'm not going to that that it's just such a special freedom to be able to do that and to be able to make that decision versus no i got two weeks and i gotta do this and that's it i'm in and i'm out and that's all Mm. right we just had a podcast on that topic. Marissa and I were talking about some of the unexpected benefits that we get out of being a digital nomad. And that was my exact answer. Almost like verbatim. For for me, it's just like, it's such a condensed, usually somebody gets two to four weeks and they'll travel for maybe two weeks. It's such a condensed version of uh, of, a, of a city, which makes you more likely to have a checklist of things that you have to do. And that checklist is usually going to come off the internet. So you're going to hit all the tourist hotspots. You're not going to have those accidental adventures, you know, that you do as a digital nomad because you're just living life as opposed to curating this like perfect set of this perfect itinerary. And that doesn't exist as a digital nomad because you're just kind of floating around. And then like you said, the flexibility, flexibility to say, hey, to your friends who just said, Hey, I'm going to, we're going to go to like Uruguay for six days. And you're like, oh, cool. Haven't been to Uruguay. And then all of a sudden, boom, we got another experience that's not available to you. If, if you're under a tight, you got a, you got a there and back flight and you got, you have to leave. You literally have no flexibility other than within that tight two weeks. So that's interesting that you have the, almost the same exact thought process. 
as I did on that one. We're, we're talking about getting to know places. And I, I jotted down a note that I, I think is really important because we get asked this a lot. And that's slow travel versus fast travel. Now, we actually got a question from somebody asking if we would do an entire podcast talking about how long you should stay in a place. And I don't know that that's a podcast that might be like a bonus podcast, but I'm, I'm trying my best to cover that because it seems to be a, a pretty pertinent topic. How do you like to travel? Do you want to do you want to check off those boxes and knock out a country every four days or do you want to stay for three months? I've evolved. I, I used to travel quickly. And when I say quickly, like like two weeks here, two weeks there, two weeks there. But uh, I've evolved over the years to be a little bit more slow, slow matting. So like a few months, at least like two months in a place and then three months in another place, maybe a month in another place. And then, you know, I've got some work travel in the middle. I'd have to do that. But by choice, it's it's more of a slow, I've evolved into more of a slow mad. And, uh, you know, I'd encourage people to kind of try both to see what you really like. And I've just, yeah, nine years is, you know, quite a long time. I've just evolved into to like going back to the places where I like, like Medellin, Greece, Bali. Like I, there's some places that I really, really like to go to. And every time I go to there, I'm still discovering there's like new places I haven't been to, but I base myself in a certain city and that's how I prefer it. I have no, there's obviously some countries I haven't been to that I would love to go to and I probably will. And I'll probably add them to my list as I go, as I, as the years go on to just be like, okay, I'm going to stay here for two months now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm exactly the same way. I actually, you know, I don't think I even evolved. I think I just started as a slow mad and ended as a slow mad. Marissa makes fun of me all the time. I was like, why do you keep going back to the same places? It's like, because I like them. I, I don't know. <laughs> it's like, it's a good place for me. And, I, and if I can knock out two new countries a year, I'm satisfied with that. I don't have, I don't have an agenda. No, no quota. No quota. Like, no, no, I don't care. I don't care. I, I travel because it makes me happy. And where I travel makes me happy. And there really, there is no other question to it other than that for me. Cool. So let me ask you just on the fly without putting too much thought into it. When I ask you, what are the top moments that you've had? What are some of the moments that you had where you're like, holy shit, I can't believe this is my life. I've made such a good choice in my life being a digital nomad. What pops into mind? You know, and usually the first thing that pops in your mind is like the most genuine. So like, sure. if anything popped in your mind that you're cool. Yeah, shit. definitely. I kid. I was the South America pandemic hit in 2020 in March. Not even for a second did I say I'm going back to Canada in March, forget, forget about that. That is, that did not go through my mind. And so I was trying to decide where to go. And what kind of drew me was, was a few friends were going to Mexico to Playa del Carmen. And I had never been to Playa del Carmen. I was one of those Canadians who was like, why would I go to Mexico? It's just Mexico. I'm not going to travel around the world, you know, kind of thing. Never hating on it, but just like, it's just like, it's right there. It's like with everybody, it's what everybody does. Why would I do it? You know? And so, yeah, I went to, I went to Playa and, you know, just to make this long story short, there was like t- nine of us that really connected there because none of us, and this goes back to like finding kind of your people, none of us wanted to go home. Even during like a global <laughs> pandemic never happened in our lifetime. We were like, there's no way we're going home. And we all independently ended up in Playa, still friends with them. And mm. it, it was a great time. Like it was, it was locked down for like a good six weeks. Like you couldn't go to the beach and restaurants were shut down. You know, only grocery stores, pharmacies and Rappi or delivery service. Other than that, you know, we kind of think we kind of made the best of it together. We rented a place. 
with like a big pool in the middle. And like we all had like, we all stayed in the same apartment kind of complex, which is very open, great internet. We all worked, we actually all pitched in for someone to get a three bedroom. And that was our little co-working place, like in the apartment. It was actually kind of cool. And so that's a very, like, it's very memorable because, you know, I was, I thought <clears throat> even during the global pandemic, like I independently was not going to go to Canada. I'm not going to go home, quote unquote. <laughs> and then I was happy to find uh-huh. kind of other nomads who were like, no, nah, I'm not going home. I'm not going back to Germany or the States or England or whatever. We're just going to, we're going to figure this out. And we all independently met there and uh, made the most of it. Yeah, that's funny. Some of my, when I think about my, some of my fondest moments, a lot, a lot of them were during the pandemic too. It's like we had this this weird shared experience where everything was just going wrong in the world, but we found this like camaraderie in each other. And it was, it was really the people like, Oh, we went to some really cool places. I also went to Mexico too. Simple decision because it was, the decision was where can we go? And the answer was Mexico. So it made, it made life very, very simple. And I spent a, a good five months down there and had an absolute amazing time with some of the people that you actually were with too. So I, I completely understand why that was spe- such a special, a special moment. Okay, let's go the opposite direction. What are some of the <laughs> the worst things that come to mind? Because people people think that it's Instagram that there's it's just beaches and stuff. It's not. You know, it's not. Like there are the shit that comes up. That's that's it's no good. It's no fun. So. Can you think of anything where you went, oh, God, this does make this life a lot more difficult? <laughs> I was years ago, I was in Brazil and uh, we were trying to get back to our hotel. And I I guess the cab driver dropped us off in this really sketchy area. It was nowhere near a hotel. So it was, it was pretty scary. It was an adventure to try to get back to our hotel from there. And, you know, it, it wasn't like... It, there was no Google Fi or anything at the time. You had to kind of just figure it out with like cell phones. And I don't, I don't speak Portuguese. And uh-huh. That was kind of scary. I broke my toe in Nicaragua playing beach soccer. That was, uh-huh. that was an adventure of trying to get through the, the Nicaraguan health system. Okay. Give me, give me like 30 seconds on that. People ask about health all the time. And it's a big, scary topic. What was that experience like? I think it's going to surprise you. So I broke my toe playing beach soccer. Then I went to like a local doctor. Yeah, I speak Spanish. I was born in Peru, but moved to Canada when I was three. So thankfully I speak Spanish. The doctor kind of looked me over and was like, okay, you need to go to this other hospital. Went to this other hospital, waited forever. They took my name down. They didn't take my ID. They wrapped up my toe in something. They were like, yeah, it's broken. They wrapped up my toe and gave me kind of like crutches. Never charged me, never charged me a dime. Zero. I could have told them a fake name or something and they didn't charge me anything. It was really? kind of crazy. Yeah. And they gave me some pills and for, for the pain. And that was pretty much it. That's, that's the 30 second version of it. The highlights was, was like, I was like, how am I going to pay for this? How much is it going to be? You know, this isn't Canada. Uh-huh. And, and so, um, yeah, it was not yeah. zero. I was super surprised. Uh-huh. You know, it wasn't the most efficient. They put like a whole cast on it for my like little <laughs> toe. So I don't think that was the best thing. Overkill. I ended up I ended up taking that off eventually and just kind of getting a boot. But yeah, that was an adventure for sure. Yeah. North Americans tend to think that we've got really, really good healthcare and it's going to be terrifying when we actually, you know, if something happens when you're leaving. But I've run into situations too where I got everything I needed. I was able to figure it out. Like there's, it's gonna, it's not going to be your normal doctor. Like people think, oh my God, I've got a normal doctor and all that stuff. That's going to be a little different and that might stress you out a little bit, but you'll find care. Like when I was here in Medellin, 
I had to get a brain MRI for some weird thing I had going on. I got it booked the next day and the total cost of it, I think was like 150 bucks or 200 bucks or something in the States. That's like six referrals and 5,000 bucks, something like that. Like I, I would come back here to get that done again. It's, it's just, it's really, it's something that is totally, it should never hold somebody back from traveling ever for certain. On the topic of things that really don't quite add up to real life in being a digital nomad, what would you say some of, some of the biggest misnomers about this? The rumors that people think are true that are just blatant, patently false? Safety, like travel safety for sure. Okay. Um, you know, people think of Colombia as like, oh, you know, Pablo Escobar, blah, blah, blah. That, that was a long, long time ago. And also, you know, as a country, like you don't want that reputation. So you do everything you can to make things safe. So they're like in cities that you think would perhaps be dangerous around the world. There's always going to be like the safest spots. And normally that's where the nomads are or where you should be staying. That's one thing. Mm. You know, you always get people being like, how much money do you have? Cause you are traveling all over the world. And I guess it's cause <laughs> like, it's the, perce- thing, yeah. it's the perception of people like, Oh, well you only travel when you're retired and you have a bunch of, oh. yeah, no, it's like way cheaper to travel than it is to stay in like Austin, San Francisco, New York, Austin, even <laughs> yeah, any, a bunch of the major cities in the U S Toronto, Vancouver. Yeah. yeah. It's way cheaper to, you know, for food, for, accommodation even if it's not like long-term accommodation and and also just like if you get sick overseas i mean you're you're gonna be fine you're gonna find someone you know to take care of you you're gonna find the same medicine you know use your google translate it's never been that's the thing like i went through this when it wasn't as easy it's never been easier to figure this stuff out ever in the history of nomading or the world to figure out like oh i'm gonna use my translator and go to this thai pharmacy and tell them i have a headache and a runny nose or something it's really easy to figure this out a really that's a really bold statement that's true yeah a really powerful statement and as a matter of fact we did just do an episode it's i think it's top seven or top 10 places to live as a digital nomad for under a thousand dollars a month so yeah if any of you are coming from you know western europe or north america you know that that's like a quarter of what you're paying probably I mean, like if you look at the average rental price, you get a two bedroom apartment somewhere in California, you're a minimum of $2,500 per month. We just a couple nights ago had like one of the nicest steaks and a couple drinks. And what did that? I think that ran us maybe like 20, 24, 24 or something. Yeah. 20, yeah. All right. That's 80 or 90 bucks at home. So like you can, not only is it affordable, but you can yeah, that's the thing. It's more it's more a bang for your buck. So there's affordability for sure. But if you want to spend what you're spending in the US, in North America, Western Europe, in a con- other countries, you're, you're just royalty, right? Like if you if that's what you want to do, if like some of your listeners are like, well, I don't want to live cheaply. Well, fine, live like a king, queen, or whatever, like somewhere else, because that's possible too. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's true. Okay, so last question I've got for you. For the people that are going to become digital nomads, do you have any recommendations for them having done this for so long, like things to watch out for or certain things that'll make their lives easier as they kind of ease into this new lifestyle? Do First of all, you don't have to necessarily know. You, you do have to go, though. You will probably regret 
not doing it if you have the opportunity to do it, I would say. So no tips can come unless you don't do it. So once you decide to go, do it, do it feels natural. If you just want to do it for like a couple of weeks or a month, then go do that. If you want to do it with a, a group of people like Wi-Fi Tribe or any of the others, do that. That kind of is more of an easier kind of transition into it. If you just want to jump and go, that's even better, to be honest. Just unlimited discovery. Ask around. There's so many Reddit forums and different forums and this podcast. And uh-huh. listen, there, there are so many more resources. There's never been as much resources ever as there are now to figure out if you're a little bit more type A, like I have a bunch of questions. Well, great. You can get your questions answered. If I was you right. nine years ago, I, there was nothing. So take advantage of that. But honestly, you know, take the leap. One life kind of thing. Just do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Great advice. So I, I lied. Not last question. What's your, my last question is where I always ask my guests, where are you going next? So next, I think I'm going to stay here for a little bit. So we've got a place in Puerto Rico I might go back to. And then my family's going to Mexico for Christmas. So some of my family for Peru is going. So I'll probably be in Mexico for Christmas. And then I've never been to South Africa. So probably thinking about that in about January or so. Mm-hmm. And then from there, who knows? And it's typically the question. The answer to that question is who knows. That's it. That's it. That's why I only ask where are you going next usually because most digital nomads, they just look at me like, what? Three months from now? No way. Yeah, that's all I know is what's next as well. Thanks so much for joining me today, Julio. This is awesome. Everybody go to monetizemore.com. Definitely take a look at the career page. And I think that's about it. Thanks for joining us, everybody. And I'll see you on the next show. Yeah.